Welcome to the New Dawn Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lusht. This podcast is dedicated to uncovering, unlocking and unleashing the truest, most authentic versions of ourselves. And in order to do that, we need to have conversations that expand, unblock and help us to create new neural pathways. I felt for a while that there needs to be a radical change in our communities, society and environment. The way we are treated, the way we treat animals, each other, our food and Mother Earth feels so wonky and so uncomfortable that alchemy is definitely called for. What does this change look like? Well, to be honest, I don't always know. What I do know is that I'm following my heart, following the callings and messages from my soul to see where the breadcrumbs lead me. This feels deeply fulfilling and it gives me a sense of purpose and meaning. Do you know what I mean? As a transformation coach, I've seen so much change and growth happening for my clients lately. We are being squeezed to let go of what no longer serves us and to, step by step, embrace all that we are. Which is especially true for those of us who are on this planet with a deep desire to be of service and to help others. And so often we sabotage and stop ourselves from implementing the offers we have in our hearts, which is what I'm here to help you unblock and release. To find out more how we can work together, check out my website at www.dawnlush.com. In each of the New Dawn podcast episodes, we dive deep into change, transformation and inspiration and hope. Hope of something greater, inspiration for empowerment and change, and the tools for positive transformation. In this week's podcast, I've got one of my favourite guests, Ellie Sinan, back with us. We recorded this conversation almost a year ago and it's taken a while to feel like it was the right time to share this with you. Ellie and I talk about quite a few concepts and ideas that are quite radical at this time in the evolution of what it means to be human and how to show up, especially as a self-employed person, although our conversation isn't just for people who work for themselves. When I talk with Ellie, there's always an expansive feeling that I get that the world is literally our oyster. She gives us the opportunity to not only find a map to our gifts, but also a feeling that it's all possible, all of it. Perhaps this conversation is still a little before its time, and for those of you listening in the future, I hope that this lands for you exactly at a time that you needed to hear it. The times, they are a-changing, and Ellie is certainly a way-sharer for these times, and plus she's bloody hilarious. And lastly, a big shout out to her husband, Simon, who is one of the greatest fellows in this world. So without further ado, here's Ellie. Hello, Dawn. (laughs) We're laughing because we literally just recorded a whole load of stuff and realised that my microphone wasn't working. But yours was, so I could just do an intro with you. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? (laughs) But welcome, (laughs) Welcome, Ellie. The reason I am... So excited today to have you on the podcast once more. It's not only because you are an epic human being, but because you are really bringing some new thoughts and new experiences into the world of business. And <laughs> and it's absolutely just blowing my mind, the, the way that you talk about paradigm shifts, the way you talk about this new <clears throat> way of operating as ourselves in our enterprises in our social networks as well and 
all of the stuff you bring together is beautiful. And I can't wait to dive into that with you again today, Ellie. So thank oh, you thank for being you here. So much. I, as I w- we were saying in the last um our attempt at recording is how much we love catching up and how this is just an excuse for us to talk about the stuff that we would be talking about anyway. And to be able to record it is just a privilege. So I'm thrilled to be here. Yay, me too. Um, But before we get into the nitty gritty, (laughs) I do want to talk about your chickens. (laughs) Let's go there. I'm up for it. (laughs) So you've moved to Cornwall permanently. You've relocated with Simon, your husband, who you said is originally from Cornwall. Mm-hmm. He's a corn. That's the, what I said. <laughs> that makes me laugh so much each time. It's brilliant. No yep. offense to any Cornwellians. <laughs> is that the right word, or is it actually a corn? No, it's corn. Is it for real? <laughs> no. No, I know you always <laughs> do that to me. <laughs> We're always so gullible. <laughs> What is the real thing? Just as a I don't aside? know. I don't think there's a um, noun for it. You would normally just say, "Oh, he's Cornish," but I like to say he's a, and I think a corn sounds beautiful. So Simon is a born and bred corn from Falmouth, <laughs> and so when I met him, it was always a question of when are we going to move back because his kids live here, and so probably five. Yeah, we've been together for, I don't know, five years or something. And then um, we bought a house three years ago and we moved to here full time a year ago or just just over a year ago. And it's been magic. So since the beginning of lockdown, you've been in your beautiful, beautiful location. How has that affected your experience of um, lockdown? life? Oh, Mm. God. Well, I just can't. It's really difficult to put into words the profound effect um it's really diff- it's made me realize how much i value silence how i thought silent- you were going to say simon <laughs> <laughs> oh god no oh my god my <laughs> beloved well actually no it has so simon obviously i mean cuz we spend 24/7 together um you know because not only do we obviously live together but we also have a business together which is our farming business which is what you were talking Hence about the chickens that- chicken question um dawn wasn't just randomly asking me about chickens so we do we do spend 24 7 together and i'm happy to say that it's a very harmonious partnership not because of me but because of him because simon is one of those people that's just so chilled out and relaxed and low maintenance and so i'm really lucky (laughs) really lucky that he's so tolerant of of my more experiential um (laughs) You know, I'm just a, I'm just a woman. I'm just a woman, aren't I? You have so, a colourful range of expressions and experiences, do. don't you, Ellie? Thank you. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. So, yeah, so when you asked about the chickens, it's because yesterday we bought our first, the first animals for our farm, and that's, we've started with four chickens. I love it. The first it. of many. I know. It was, it was honestly one of the best days of my life, going to pick them up. We went with two of the boys, two of Simon's boys, And um, it was just magical. And I'm so excited for the first eggs. (laughs) I have this picture of you and Simon in your wellies running after the chickens, just like, come back, come back. (laughs) Is that what it's like? Yeah, it was very difficult to catch them. And uh, it took a long time. And I've got some footage of it. So I may or may not 
create a Hollywood trailer from that. So what are you doing with your farm then, Ellie? What is that about? Yeah, good question. It's So we've bought um, a lot of land with one small cottage on it, and the land currently has a tenant farmer on there growing um, cauliflower for Tesco. And it's a very sort of traditional um, farm, and he's on there for another two years. That was part of the contract when we bought it. And um, the idea would be going forwards to for some of the land to bring in more regenerative farming practices, to bring in some rewilding principles, and to have um, grazing animals, and to sort of combine those approaches along with having a place for education and workshops and things like that, and um, creating just a few very thoughtful accommodations, and just to to make to bring more awareness back to the soil, back to these regenerative regenerative practices. And really, Simon and I both just follow our emotions with these kind of things. So we have this like dream that burns really brightly within us. But whenever somebody's like, tell me the, like, it's surprising how many people say, but what exactly are you going to do? Like, tell me the exact step by step. And we're like, not sure yet. <laughs> we, you know, mm. you, you, it's process led with something like rewilding or regenerative practices. You can't put a 10 step program in. You have to see how step one works and then you have to see what natural processes happen, what mother nature decides to prioritize. And then you support that. So you can never see a clear route ahead. You have to take each step at a time, see what's naturally occurring and support that. I think you've just described the whole business, the new paradigm of business model, <laughs> yes, haven't I you? Have. Oh my God, we have, haven't we? That is so yeah. funny. Chickens to um, parallel, uh, to aligned business. You're so right. <laughs> Good, segue. Go. Good segue, Dawn. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so what's your, what was so attractive, if you can answer that question, a, to about regenerative um practices like that what what's calling you in that way well it's really a way of working with mother earth so it's a way of leveraging natural processes it's a way of not considering ourselves as separate so very often even me, I still find myself doing this, will look at mother nature and then humans as two separate entities when really it's one organism. So how can we bring something like growing food as a process and combine that with nurturing wildlife because the two shouldn't be considered two separate entities? So it's how can we support our community with growing food? How can we bring the community together socially how can we support wildlife? How can we take care of our soil and do all, bring all of these practices together using an, a permaculture approach, which is, you know, a really profound approach to life, really, and just have the courage, really, to be humble about it and not to impose our agenda, but to see time and time again to, to reattune and to see what processing, what processes are naturally thriving here, what wants to come through, and how can I support that in a way that can create legacy going forwards. And really, I mean, ultimately, just taking, try, we, we really like bought this land so that we could 
protect it because wild space is ever diminishing. It's the only asset that you can never get back is land. You know, once it's built on, and in Cornwall, to be perfectly honest, there's a huge problem with building and we're 30% over the housing quota in this county. So every single day you drive around Cornwall and you see new um, housing being built on green fields. It's so distressing to me. It's like the one thing that like really, really, really gets to me. And it's a very Does contentious I- issue. So, yeah. Um, when I was talking to one of my recent podcast um, guests, Wayne Setford, he uh, <clears throat> he runs the local uh, garden, um, big garden in Colchester, and the idea is that he helps refugees and all sorts of other people with uh, mental health and children, all that kind of stuff. But he was talking about um, this idea of consuming. We are just constantly consuming, taking over more want, more want. Mm -hmm. And just rather than having this beautiful, um, honoring, reciprocal, honoring connection with the beauty of life rather than just me, mine, more, me, mine, more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, have you ever read the the book? The I think it's called Finding the God in All Things. It's by Michaela something or other. I've got it around. I'll put it in the show notes. But um, it's not about God, quote unquote. It's about exactly what you're talking about. Uh, she, this, there was this woman who, have you read it before I Mm-mm. tell you about it? Okay. Mm-mm. There was this woman in uh, in America who, and her and her husband moved into the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then one night she started to be able to communicate with the trees, um, <gasps> and then she created this whole relationship with her ground and her environment where they were actively communicating with each other. She was one of the original, uh, either contributors or founders of the Findhorn Foundation. Uh, that's so weird because I'm reading a different book of hers right now. <laughs> No way. Yeah, that's really weird. Um I've forgotten what my book's called, but I may I can't it's not the same book, but it's this by the same woman. That's so is funny. That, is that the one where she talks about how to plan it and feeling into it, how to create the land, that one? Um is yeah, like and about her st- No, it's I wonder if it is the same book that we're talking about. I've got it over on my nightstand, but it's like a long detailed thing of how she begins communicating with, with the plants and the davas and how like the pea davas. Yeah, is it the same book? That's it. I oh, well, so. I'm reading that right now. Yeah. <laughs> that funny. is fantastic. I know. I love it. I know. Well, next you can get the workbook. <laughs> yeah. That's really good too. <laughs> Actually, you know what the central message of that book that's really struck me is not so much about how to communicate with plants because that's something I do all the time anyway no offense you know I love I love talking to plants it's actually this idea that the plants are inviting us not to see not to see them as something superior so you know Mm -hmm. like I used to use the word reverence a lot because there's always certain vocabulary that's like in my heart and it comes out of my mouth kind of without me even thinking about it and I love the idea of having reverence for Mother Earth and reverence when we communicate with plants and, you know, the food we eat. But to a certain degree, at a certain point, you almost grow out of that because having reverence implies like we are lesser. 
when actually mm-hmm. the plants and the trees and the creatures and the devas are asking us to come into a co-creative relationship where it's like, no, no, there's no separation. They need us as much as we need them. And they covet and admire and respect loads of aspects of our humanity, like free will and choice and all of this. And so it's a blending together. So that has been really profound where I now see myself on the same plane. I don't know if that struck you as well. I mean, <laughs> I'm so lost for words because that book was um, such an important part of my relationship with my garden shifting and changing um, and how I hold myself within that space and how I consider and work with not that it's perfect perfect you know whatever that means but it's definitely shifted the way I hold myself within my environment and what I do with the plants how I invite them and I always have like this wild patch now uh, to just let it grow and let it be and let it allow it to be exactly as it needs to as a almost an ode to the Davis and you know a nod to say Beautiful. we are doing this together yes um, I love and rather that. than to force my will onto mm-hmm. what I think the garden should look like mm-hmm. I try and notice like the the fractals the the way that things move and grow mm-hmm. and the natural flow of a lot of it mm-hmm. like I tried at one point to put the rose pointing the other way the rose did not want to pull the other way. And every time the wind blew, it unstuck itself and definitely wanted to go the other way. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go that way then. <laughs> yes. Is that how you're using it as well? Yes. And that has really like changed the way that I look at the farm, where at the beginning, because because it's a business and because we've invested you know, our, our money into it, um, and it was a stretch for us. It was very, we we had a lot of feedback from friends and neighbors and family being like, you're crazy. And well, what are you actually going to do? And so there was a great pressure to have this, this plan. And the deeper I come into resonance with the land and also with my life as just a human being, um, the more relaxed I become. And exactly like you say, you know, really the permaculture approach is to spend a year just watching. Where are the frost pockets? You know, where where are the sun traps? Which plants grow where? You know, which fields end up more waterlogged than others? And and to spend a good year just watching. And it's just so nice to to bring in that that yeah, quiet witnessing, co-creative relationship with your land. So for sure it's gonna have a huge effect on how how we farm in the end. I am so blown away by the similarities of what you're experiencing with your um, farm to how we are practicing these things internally as well you know I our know, relationship I know, to ourselves I know, so I like know. you're talking about quiet witnessing and I'm like That's mind blown <laughs> again know. you know and then I was thinking oh yeah but you're also in contemplation with mm-hmm. the land you know you're Absolutely. like absolutely mm. There's oh, absolutely. It's kind of wild, don't you think? It's so wild because it's true when you contemplate your land and and then that is when you move from worship to embodiment where you, these principles that you deeply care about, your whole devotional practice, the more time you spend in nature, 
it's like a wormhole where your contemplation just becomes this wordless embodiment where you suddenly understand the cyclical fractal nature of life itself it becomes harder to verbalize and explain it almost because you're no longer talking about theory that you find interesting it's like just a beingness and so you have this far more coherent understanding of the the meaning of life and yet you become far more human as a result that's the vibe that I'm in right now with with the land and with myself and with my business beautiful <laughs> but it is and this is something I, I've just almost come to the end of a 12-week program that I've been running called Roots which is about creating these really strong foundations so no matter what happens you can always come back to having these really inner strong foundations Mm -hmm. but you're doing the same thing aren't you you're Mm -hmm. experiencing life in such a way that no matter what happens you're you've created these strong inner foundations and Mm -hmm. tools and practices and that it completely oh what I was going to mention was how beautiful it is you start to notice the absolute beauty of how life interacts with you and I interact with life and we're all working together in this like macrocosm and microcosm of infinite beauty I am not high I promise Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. haven't lost my mind (laughs) I am just so I I mean I love beauty as in the nature and its beauty Mm -hmm. And it just seems like that's what we're cultivating more and more is a, an experience of beauty. Does that resonate with you? I mean, 100%. And that feeling where you're in that sweetness and truth, because I would consider that feeling that you just described as truth, like the pure appreciation. And that's that's gratitude. So Often we there's a lot of talk always and have been for years and years as a gratitude practice. And it's one of those gateway practices that, you know, you can reach anybody and say, you know, begin a gratitude practice and list 10 things you're grateful for. And it usually begins with things like my family and, you know, whatever, the, the house I live in. But as we move that process from worship to embodiment, for me anyway, and I believe that's what you were just speaking of, that gratitude becomes this awareness of the mere fact that we're alive is that we're prospering to be alive is to prosper to be in wonder and awe of life itself and you just look around and it is like you're high you li- that's why the phrase high on life is a phrase it's an archetypal phrase a cliche because it's represents this collective knowing that we all hold within us And for me, that's gratitude is to to dwell in that space where you're like, I can't believe I get to be alive. What can I do with my life? And that's where, for me, philanthropy comes in because you realize, okay, cool, I'm here for a short time. How can I harness this? And you become so aware of your own divinity and your humanness and the divinity in others. That's when it just becomes easier and easier to really attune to what's important to become intelligent and discerning about where you invest your time and energy. And it just becomes this natural, beautiful, um, reciprocal coming together of let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. do this. Absolutely. I'm going to I've listened to your podcast. Your, I think it's your latest one on philanthropy. Um, I really liked it. I'll come back to that in a second. But I'd like to um, 
maybe say something a little bit controversial. Um, in my uh, gene keys, I've got, I, you'll know which one this is more than I do uh, off the top of my head, but it's something about sound and the voice mm-hmm. and the, the resonance of a word. And just to, this might go over the heads of people, I don't know, but I, it's something that I've been contemplating quite a lot recently, uh, which is the release of victimhood, the mm-hmm. release of victimhood in words, in actions, in thoughts, in deeds. How do we extricate ourselves from this and create something that is empowering? Well, to me, gratitude is a really weird word because it's like completely dualistic at the same time it's saying be grateful for what you've got and that for me is such a weird low vibration feeling like life is shit be grateful for these things and it'll be more bearable and then you've got the other side which is finding that pure truth and joy and uh, thankfulness of the stuff that is actually occurring and recognizing it giving it a a nod uh does that make sense yeah it's a really good point i always love having like a different angle on something that has become so overspoken that it ceased to have any real meaning and i think you're right i think it's because every archetype has like a lower frequency side of it and then a higher frequency. And you're right, gratitude, um, again, when it's as when it's being used as a gateway practice, it can be a bit like, oh, I, I'm grateful to receive um, and it's something happening to you. So it immediately has a separation, as you say, a duality, because it's like life and then you or God and then you or good things and then you as the receiver. And I think when you transcend that and you come into oneness with with the vibration of gratitude, then it's what you described before, where you're just in pure joy at being alive. And that's a higher form of gratitude. That's maybe how I embody gratitude in my own bones. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. If there's like what you described, um, what what that has brought up for you, I would say is an interesting example of your own path of transcending those lower vibrations of gratitude. And that'll be very bespoke and unique to you, which is why it's so important to do that thinking around hmm, what does gratitude bring up to me? Um, and how can I alchemize that into my own higher understanding of it? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I, uh, this really brings it um, like almost full circle to what we were talking about. And the reason I wanted to bring you on and talk to you today um I mean obviously there's many many reasons Ellie but there was a post that you wrote the other day on Instagram about magnetic force and your attractor field mm-hmm. and um specifically about finding your truth and living that can you speak a little bit more about what that means and why you're passionate or what's causing you to be feel passionate about that at the moment yeah, so this is um, from the Gene Keys. So in the Gene Keys, we have our hologenetic profile and there is a sphere within that that refers to our attractor field. So that's what you mentioned before. And really the Gene Keys offers us a completely different 
way of looking at branding in inverted commas. And I remember when I first came across this concept in the Gene Keys, I was about to pay, well, I had just paid someone to create a new website for me. And we were about to start having these conversations about branding. And and I read something in the Gene Keys that said, you know, your brand is just an excuse to transmit a specific message down your fractal line. You have to be extremely in resonance of what your true message is. Like you're, you are just an excuse for a message to come through. And I thought, gosh, do I actually know what my message is? And I pressed stop on the whole website and I never, never did it. Um, I will never again um, pay somebody else <laughs> to come up with my branding. Um, so the way that the Gene Keys offers this new look at branding is that branding is an inherent essence that is like a blend of all of your experiences, your dharma, your karma, all the mistakes you've made, all the joy, all the laughter, everything you've been through. It's your genius, your liquid creativity, your gifts, like everything distilled, the way that you laugh, the way that you speak, the light in your eyes, the exact frequency that you give out when you're in truth. And that is a frequency that lies beyond words. And that is our true brand. And when we are confused, when we're not in full resonance to our truth, then it comes across as this mixed message, a confused message. And that usually happens when we try and mastermind our brand or when we try and come up with something when really our brand is not something that we mastermind. It's something that we already have inside of us. It's our uniqueness. And if we just relax and allow that to radiate outwards, it's like a song almost. It's this very specific tone that comes out and calls to us. It has a, it has a specific purpose. It sends out a call, like a beacon call, a homing call to all of our allies and those people with whom we are supposed to create. And then they hear that sound and they feel it. You can feel it when you're with somebody who's singing the same song as you and you come together in this exquisite way. And that is the whole concept of the fractal line. And together you create and you co-create, whether it's sacred business or whether it's these divine partnerships. And that carries the higher agenda of bringing about the new Eden on this earth. So is that just for self-employed people? <laughs> I love that question. No, absolutely not. That's a really good question. And it's not just in the context of business even. So I work usually with self-employed people because self-employed people, you know, traditionally act alone. And so are they trying to mastermind, you know, how they can put their work across, what their branding should be, you know, who they're trying to work with and all that. But if you're, if you're an employee, you absolutely can have a practice of becoming very attuned to your exact gifts, your core talents, your exact essence, and how you can bring that into your group that you work with for the purpose of serving the shared higher purpose. So it's about going into every meeting, for example, and just attuning as much as possible to your exact magic. Because if everybody in the room did that, it would be astounding what would be created. So you absolutely do not have to be self-employed. It can be anybody. 
Anybody who considers their work to be a vehicle for higher purpose? Um, I actually have found my working with the attractor field personally one of the most profound and um, personally changing for me mm-hmm. to <clears throat> how I fit within the universe, how I fit within myself and my environment, um, mm-hmm. and then how what it means for the specific number, what I attract in and what I uh, radiate out. So like Mm -hmm. I think we've spoken before, my attractive field is Jinky 39, which in its shadow is provocation and within its gift um, is liberation or maybe Siddhi is liberation, I forget. But the idea before I understood that, I would look at what was around me and I think you and I might have spoken about this briefly before, and I would attract in these situations which would um, catalyze um, experiences in other people. And I would look at that and go, I didn't actually do anything there. I just turned up and that experience happened. Um, And it was very confusing. But now that I understand it, I recognize it's one of the or if not the greatest gift that I use in my coaching sessions and in my transformation sessions, because I bring the opportunity in my attractive field for liberation. And I do it just by, you know, well, many ways, actually, Mm -hmm, many, many mm -hmm. ways. It's just by being around me, it offers you the uh, possibility of coming through the other side of something. Is that... Yeah, what you were talking about in that way. Yes. So we have, as you say, um, a sphere, the sphere of our attraction, but it goes even further than that, that. because the sphere of attraction has serves in itself a purpose. And it's there to bring in those relationships to serve the needs of your purpose and your karma. So underneath the sphere of your attractor, you'll have the sphere of your purpose. So which jinky do you hold in that? If do you remember? Two. So that's unity, the city of Mm -hmm. unity. So, and it's the shadow of dislocation, the gift of orientation and the city of unity. I hold that in my, um, I can't remember which one I hold it in now. Oh yeah, in my EQ. So really you can go further and say, the sphere, my attractor field is drawing in people um, so that I can awaken liberation in others to serve my higher purpose of unity. So your attractive field and your purpose sphere have a an extremely close relationship and your attractive field will always be serving the needs of your purpose through your dharma, how that unfolds on a daily basis. And then there's a direct link up to your life's work. And so you see all these hidden pathways within the hologenetic profile, which is the Gene Keys profile we're talking about. And, and it's just this fascinating um, I was about to say dichotomy, but I've never used that word out loud. And I don't even know if that's the right word. I don't know why that came into my mind. (laughs) This fascinating, like energetic relationship between who you're drawing in, what your greater purpose is. And then when we bring branding back into it, the branding is, is your life's work sphere looked at from the point of view of your pearl sequence. I know this might sound very complicated to some people, but your branding and the essence that you emit 
has a direct relationship with your attractor field. It decides who you draw in and why. And all of that has an overriding purpose, which is to serve the needs of your dharma. Why are you incarnated on this earth? So there's so many layers to this. It's unbelievably profound. And you know, um, what that makes me realize um, and contemplate is the fact that we're not self-employed or entrepreneurs by chance. Like, I, I don't know any other way of being able to confront all of mm -hmm. my limiting thoughts and beliefs so quickly and so profoundly as being working for myself and then when you add in the gene keys it's like a, a spiritual path in itself isn't it to be self-employed oh, because absolutely. everything all of your limiting thoughts all of your tractor stuff everything comes into play and you're like wow that is profound <laughs> isn't it absolutely and there's a, I was just talking about this this morning there's a pathway within your gene keys, which is in the final stage, the pearl sequence. And there's this pathway called the pathway of initiative, which comes directly off between two very important spheres which relate to this exact topic. And one is the sphere of your vocation, which refers to your core talent, your inner calling. What is the core talent that you possess? And it's your vocation to go out and live that out in the world. And then next to that, you have the sphere of your culture, which refers to who you are supposed to work with in this lifetime. Who are your fractal allies? And in what, in this new earth, which is like a beehive with different size building blocks, different size groups, you know, where do you slot in? And between these two, you have the pathway of initiative. And that means once it is not enough to be aware of the essence of your genius, it is actually not enough to even be fully embodied in your genius. The initiative, the pathway of initiative is what catalyzes the coming together of your core fractal. And that means you have to have the courage to step out with your gifts and act them out in the world, which is scary. And this is, this is why it becomes so human. So, you know, um, that um, one of my questions that I wrote for you today was all about uh, the actual words were, do we need confidence first? Because <laughs> as I'm contemplating what you're talking about um, and the way that you're talking about it now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Gene Keys and this, if it feels like a methodology or an experience that you'd like to um, find out more about, then Ellie is clearly the person to come and find out more about. Um, well, find out more about Ellie, but also find out more <laughs> about the jinkies. Um, so try not to get, I know like when I listen to these kind of conversations, I really try and mentally understand it all. Mm -hmm. What I would encourage you, um, listener, um, is to try and just feel into a little bit more what Ellie is saying and what we're talking about here, because I think it's not so much about mentally trying to understand mm -hmm. it, but just coming back into what it feels like in our hearts. Mm -hmm. If I'm right, Ellie, what you're saying is that we basically have a massive light inside of our hearts, which wants to shine. The Gene Keys wants to give us an opportunity to help it shine and just, just gives us some tools and some context to be able to make sense of that massive ball of light that wants to shine. However, how do we create the confidence, do you think, in order to think that in the first place we have a ball of light to shine? <laughs> 
It's a very good question. I would now always begin with contemplating what is confidence? Because I, you know, what is confidence? If I mull that word around in my heart, then I know that confidence in itself is not the full truth. And so therefore, I would never want to to use, to, to hold confidence up as something to aspire to. You know, to me, it's just a stepping stone. Really, what confidence means to most people, what you're really asking is, how can we have the courage? You know, if we don't feel embodied in our gifts, how can we have the courage to go out into the world? And that's why the Gene Keys begins it's with its three sequences. And the first sequence is about coming into a deep anchoring of your gifts, understanding your gifts and understanding your purpose. Because until we have a full understanding and embodiment of our gifts, we don't have that core stability that we need in order to move forwards. You already talked about, you used the word foundation before. So this is the archetypal hero's journey, the the hero's journey that we all hold as a primal, primordial knowing that first there's that burning question of why am I here? And if you are deeply anchored into that, confidence is just a byproduct. Confidence just naturally arises from being plugged into your gift and plugged into a wider perspective. Does that does that resonate? It does. Um, for me, cont- um, contemplation, no, <laughs> confidence. For me, confidence is exactly that. It, it's about two things having well there's I mean there's many things but definitely knowing that there's what's in my heart what is really in my heart's calling what do I want to what am I interested in right at the very root of all of this what am I interested in what do I want to do what lights me up what sings my song what what makes me dance around the living room you know do I know what any of these things are? If I don't, then those are really good places to start getting some quote unquote confidence because it's when we don't know ourselves, I think, and we look outside of ourselves for somebody else to say, this is who you are and you're really good at it. That mm-hmm. That's such a distorted way of trying to get our self-worth or self-confidence and it's not pure like it's not Mm -hmm. it's not the full truth it's not the full truth and it's almost parasitic Mm -hmm. so what I like is this idea that we're self-sustaining energy vehicles and that when we are connected to our joy connected to our truth connected to our greatest well our hearts beaming light we become toroidal fields of energy like we are just self-sustaining and perpetuating and there's an infinite even for a projector like me there's infinite supply of energy to keep I don't know what what's the end of that Mm -hmm. sentence to keep to keep you plugged into your higher purpose there you go you're right and I would say if somebody said to me I lack confidence I would say no you lack clarity because it, mm-hmm. it begins with clarity, deep clarity. And it's so intriguing that so much breakthrough and so much seismic shifts within us come comes from 
beginning with a deep clarity. Clarity and courage. Courage is one of my favourite words. And you know, as Queen Brené has often told us, that, and, and obviously you're multilingual, so you'll know this anyway, that courage comes from the word cœur, which I'm sure has a Latin resonant um, beginning somewhere, but the French like to think everything started with them. Cœur starts with cœur, which means heart. Mm-hmm. So at the core of all confidence is our connection to our heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. So um, that that's, I think, a really good point for people who feel like what you're talking about is inaccessible. I mean, mm-hmm. it's massively accessible, but, you know, when you're new to this kind of language, when you're thinking about getting there, then you come up with many reasons why you can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't think this. I can't think that. Um, Whereas you're offering them basically a platter with everything on it and saying, just choose. Like, pick what you fancy. What lights you up? And they're like, I've got to think this through. I've got to spend time mm-hmm. deliberate. What if I get it wrong? What if I'm not? What if I'm this? What if I'm that? And you're like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? It's true. It's true. And I think that process, you know, it's everybody has a process. Um, if I look back at my own process, it's easy for me now to see clearly and to dismiss a lot of the processing that happened at the beginning. It's very easy for me now. Uh, you know, now I wouldn't need to go through all those multiple pathways to arrive. It's just a shortcut. But we have to honor and respect that everybody does have their own process, you know, to get to this point of clarity. But I know that the one truth that I feel deeply in my bones and in my heart is unless you are plugged in somehow to a higher purpose, then you're always going to be treading around in fear. Right. A hundred million percent. So this was another question on my list I've got over here, which was when I hear you talk about finding your truth and your magnetic field and being in that space, it feels to me like there's a correlation, if not similarity or actually the same thing, with being in alignment. Is that true? That's a really good question. And I'm not sure because alignment is another word um, that gets used so much that I'm not sure that I would have the same definition of alignment. Um, Because I think there's truth with a capital T and then there's your truth. And we just, um, we've just been contemplating that in my last group program. And there's a difference between truth with a capital T, for example, a truth would be um, like that love is the most powerful force on this planet. Like that's a truth. That's a deep rooted core universal truth. Being in a, And you can be in alignment with truth itself. Um, and I think to be in alignment with truth itself is to offer yourself up almost as a vehicle, like as a mouthpiece for truth. And that's what I talk about when I talk about transmissions it just means you're speaking truth with a capital t 
But then there's also a personal, there's your truth and what's true for you. Do I want to do this or do I want to do that? How do I want to spend my time? What do I want to focus on? Where am I going to invest my time and my energy and my gifts? And then you have this personal alignment compass, which is a different practice. So I would, I usually wouldn't use the word alignment with truth, um, just because for me, those are two very different fields to play with. Okay. Um, I totally um, mentally understand um, what you're saying and I can feel it too. Um, it makes me wonder what, uh, how do you, your ceremony, it makes me wonder about you and what you do, your practices and mm -hmm. how you have come to tap into those spaces and places. And could you share with us a little bit about that? Of course. I mean, it's so hard to put it into words sometimes when it's and this this is the proof of the pudding is that in my heart, I have a full wordless coherence and understanding of what I'm trying to verbalize. And the minute it comes out into words sometimes, because it has to process what usually would go through the mind to then come out of your mouth, it can get, I can feel confused by something that I embody when I try and verbalize it. But ultimately before, when you talked about magnetism and alignment, and then I offered up those two different sort of ways of looking at truth, truth with a capital T, and then your truth. And, you know, please remember that this is this is different for everybody. In my group program, as I said, we contemplated, it, you know, what is truth and what is my truth? Are they one and the same? And I guarantee if you just contemplated that question for day after day after day, you would probably have a different answer every day and it would reveal itself, unlayer, unlayer, unlayer. What is truth? You know, truth in itself. All I know in my heart is that there are these underlying universal principles that feel like core truths to me. And they always seem to relate to love. They always come back to love. That love is always the right answer. Love is the strongest force that the heart always knows what to do. The heart has the ability to see holistically and therefore in the heart lies the future of humanity. So you have this collective truth. And then you have, when you, when you nuance further into your incarnation on this planet, you then can use your heart and access that collective truth and combine it with your specific gifts and why you're here and your purpose. And it's almost a combining of truth itself and then your purpose. And then that becomes your truth of, okay, what am I here to do? How can I harness these collective principles and this, this collective energy field of truth and bring that into form into my community and remaining aligned to that specific path? That's what I would say is alignment to your truth. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it does. Uh, and it makes sense to me because I've had that experience. So to, and recently, okay, and that alignment to that capital T truth um, has shifted a lot uh, in terms of what I offer and how I offer and what I'm mm -hmm. going to do about it. I wonder, because I can't put myself in that position, I wonder what that sounds like to somebody who um, hasn't had that experience mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Well, what I usually say, because I understand that it's only, 
in the last couple of years that I've really begun to understand truth with a capital T and to recognize when people are speaking it. And the way that I usually, the way that it was for me, which is the only experience I can share, is that I started to become aware that certain people, when they spoke, whether it's through the written word or when they spoke, it would immediately land in my body. uh, My head would turn, metaphorically speaking. And every word that came out of their mouth, I'd be like, that is truth. That is pure for me. That is my, I am magnetized to this. And it's just this profound stream of truth. And then I noticed all the stuff that wasn't that. And then I looked, the more I sort of went into that and I thought, what is it that these people are saying? Why does that um, piece resonate so much more than this piece? And I started to become aware that there's this like universal field of of these core truths and that when people are speaking from them, that's what I would call a transmission. And these are not words and wisdoms that we invent. It's like we are just channeling them. This is really how I see it now. Yeah, yeah, that totally resonates. You're channeling them. I sometimes, I don't know if you know, you have this experience I'm sure you do when you're talking sometimes you don't even know where the words are coming mm-hmm. from like mm-hmm. and you can f- <laughs> I've had a client once say to me after I'd spin it, finished talking you really enjoyed saying that didn't you and, <laughs> and you I were like said, what did I even say <laughs> yeah but I could feel the the happiness and the positivity of what I was saying but mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't my ego that was sharing mm-hmm. that thought Is mm-hmm. that what, absolutely yeah. And this ties into branding, by the way, because I believe it's this partnership between our human body as a vehicle for these truths. And the truths themselves, these transmissions that come from um, um, the origin of them is mystical. There's some plane up there that holds all these truths. And I believe the truths themselves to have an agenda. And that agenda is to come through us as humans and to bring each other back into harmony. Eden consciousness, unity consciousness, and that it's a partnership between those transmissions and ourselves, our human selves and our human gifts. And that that cocktail coming together and then you expressing it with the highest integrity, with the for the true higher purpose, where you really are plugged into the collective higher purpose, that is when true magnetism happens. And it doesn't have to be as profound as it sounds when we're talking about it. It can be you just having a real revelation and you sharing it from the heart and becoming aware of all the stuff that you're sharing that isn't in that full alignment of truth. And that the more attuned, your practice of becoming more and more attuned and more in devotion to that truth itself and seeing your business as a vehicle for a higher purpose and that business itself holds a higher purpose, that the exchange itself, commerce itself, surely there's more to it than just a means of trading money. What if we look at exchange itself, commerce itself, as a means of inspiring each other and a means of forming partnerships to further the the um, unity consciousness, to bring humanity and earth, building a new earth together. And so this is what I mean by branding, is that when you become coherent with that truth, that is when you start noticing that your core fractal, beca- they just turn up. And it's effortless, and that's when the flow of prosperity really gets unblocked in your life. And I can tell you, you know, 
um, from a purely material point of view, I actually remember when this began happening to me. It was um, about a year and a half ago when I became aware of these truths and something clicked. And I started really only communicating when I felt in alignment with that truth. And the direct impact that's had of prosperity in my life and and the way that my business has completely morphed into just being an expression of that truth. There are no labels anymore. I don't even have a sort of... Job title. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't even think of the word. There's no job title anymore. It's just a constant reattuning and realigning to what's even more perfect for me right now, what truths want to come through and why, and then just creating... Um, closing and opening new portals to keep honoring those updated truths that want to come through. You know, um, that really resonates as well with the way that I parent. Um, I have noticed so much change um, within my parenting style happen since really coming into as much, much more alignment with myself and with my truths and the truths. And, you know, that's always, I don't want to say a work in progress because that's against the idea of what we're trying to talk about here, working to effort to make it happen is the opposite of rather than allowing and embracing it all. But I, I know that in my heart, children know these truths yeah they come in with these truths yes. and they vibrate at these truth levels and they spend their whole lives um where well, at least i did as a child butting up against um social narrative that felt really constrictive and damaging not that i had the words for that at that time i just felt depressed and uncomfortable a lot and i can see that the transformation in my son, the more I stand in this place and speak and act from a place of love, not that I wasn't loving before, but it's different when you're in this space because you're offering them an opportunity for truth, truthful conversations, truthful interactions, intimacy. Like I see you. I see what you need. I hear you. I am here with you. Presence and understanding and just having honest and open conversations. I can see his whole nervous system relax, uh, that there is somebody on his side, you know, somebody who's not trying to dupe him, manipulate him, create something that's not actually true. And that's just something that I've started to notice recently in our conversations because um, there's always moments of experience with children, right? They always are having, as we are, some sort of experience that they need a little bit of guidance and a little bit of um, course correction or maybe insight. And it's that that's changed it's that whispering in the ear the quality of the message that goes in his ear uh, has helped him to relax and to understand and to want to know more and to feel really close to me 
because of my relationship shift and change with my truth. Mm, absolutely. And also, I'm so oh, sorry, I was going to say through parenting him, you're also in parallel probably reparenting those first formative years of your life where you did emerge into the world whole. And obviously during those first seven years is where we learn separation and it's deeply traumatizing. And that deep inside all of us is a, an innate spiritual intelligence. And that by honoring his, you are allowing yours to reawaken because that spiritual intelligence, you actually hold um, core transmissions that you were birthed with a, with a very, um, with a specific partnership with the sphere of your SQ in the Gene Keys. And you can look at the gift there and the city and know that that is your truest, your soul's deepest longing is to dwell in that energy. And so it's a beautiful reparenting exercise to do along with parenting your actual children. A hundred percent. And I was, because we've both done some Gene Keys training at the same time, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at his Gene Keys profile whilst doing mine, obviously, because how can you not? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, did you do Simon's whilst you were doing your training? Or I don't know his time of birth. Oh, oh yes, I remember. We don't know it, so before. we don't have an exact, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, to be able to honor his truth and rather than making him be something that he, in my image, right? Mm-hmm. Making him in my image in what I feel is appropriate or not appropriate or, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really know what else to say about that. It's just, it's had such a profound effect mm-hmm, and I can't, mm-hmm. like you were saying, uh, create verbalization around it yeah. all because yes. it's unquantifiable. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Do you have, um, so I know that you, as part of your practice and your connection to capital truth and small truth, maybe they're not small, they're both massive, but um, you have invited Mama Cacao to work with mm-hmm. you along that journey, haven't you? And we were mm-hmm. going to talk a little bit more about that from our previous conversation. Can you, uh, on your, I know you talked about it as if um it has transformed your life um no sorry transformed your heart Mm. what do you mean by that well i see uh, i mean the the spirit of cacao herself the way that she alchemizes with you or me or anybody is going to be totally different so there's no such thing as what does the spirit of cacao do because it's just like any relationship, it's unique between you and her. For me personally, she has facilitated that I use that word on purpose. She acts like a facilitator between me and my mind and my heart. And she has opened that door where I where I have um, discovered my heart, the existence of my heart. So it's way beyond just feeling able to open my heart and feeling able to be vulnerable. It's working with the heart as a portal and as a realm in itself. And if you'd asked me this a year ago, I would have told you in great detail, you know, all the things that she, the spirit of cacao has has shown me. 
But now I see it as she's really guided me back to myself. And so now every single thing that I know has come from within. And I feel really strongly about this, that, you know, through that pathway of contemplation, you can, you can answer any question you have, any question. You can access any truths with the capital T and you can certainly access your own truth. And the reason I really like working with the spirit of cacao is that, um, and with, with cacao is that it just energetically creates this container around you where you can just surrender and drop into that heart intelligence instantly. And so, um, but, but I know that there's so much about my relationship with her that I don't even understand yet because it's been years now. And the way that my life has transformed since drinking her every day, it's, I mean, I just cannot explain to you how different my relationships are, my business, my work, my creativity, my heart. And it's hard to tell at this point how much of it is her guiding me, holding my hand, or how much of it is she's on a friend on the same path, or how much of it now is a co-creative relationship, if that resonates. Totally. I, I think we really do try to create a lot of understanding and, yeah, just a lot of understanding around concepts that nowadays i mean and this is part of that process we're talking about uh all of it is coming from our head to make decisions mm -hmm. about everything and into the feeling experience and um of our heart and what that means to share that and honor that and live courageously it also includes feeling your truth feeling and honoring these experiences mm -hmm. without having to justify without having to share everything without having to articulate what every single little bit means for uh, as mm -hmm. in a concept so somebody else completely and utterly gets your concept yes. yes I mean how liberating is all of mm -hmm. that that is so true because um I I was thinking about that today about um sometimes I'm aware that when I speak it might not appeal or reach everybody. But that's okay. <laughs> I don't need to be understandable or accessible to everybody. And here's where discernment and intelligence, and not intelligence as in mental intelligence, but divine intelligence and philanthropy really comes in. Philanthropy as an approach is understanding where your energy and resources and your love are best invested and they need to be invested in fertile ground, meaning where can my gifts and my love make the most impact? And for me, it used to be for years now, it was in holding space for a large number of people um, within a community, gathering together as often as possible and um, opening that first door. But now, because I have that continual practice of alignment to what really is where I can make the most impact that has narrowed and just for me personally at the moment I no longer want to um, have this slight scattergun approach which is how it came to me in my meditation I don't want to because I notice that when you hold too wide of a space sometimes when people arrive um, they they're not in, they're not really committing when you make it too accessible. 
And I noticed that you can tell when people are not truly committing because they won't turn up. They'll say, oh, I'll watch the recording or whatever it is. Let's say that you're doing a Zoom event. Um, so I would rather now seriously create a much stronger energetic container for deep work and to work with one person rather than 20. And this is why I've really changed how I do one-on-one work, where I no longer offer an hourly thing. I only want to work with people on a in a longer container. I've um, just done the same thing, Ellie. Yes, right? For that exact I, reason. For that reason. And, you know, who knows how long that's going to be right? I am not afraid, as you've probably noticed, to... Um, drastically and radically alter the way that I work from one day to the next. It has never, um, that, that approach is so against the conventional wisdom for what you should do as a self-employed person, be consistent in how you show up and all that. But that's not worked for me. And what has worked for me is to continually honor, this is how you need to show up. This is how you need to show up. And, and it's all about that's for me, that's impact and that's legacy and that's discernment is understanding where to invest your time and energy. There's a really common concept um, that so many of us have had drummed into us as self-employed people and as kids. You know, you see parents and people talking about it, Dragon's Den or whatever, which is um, keep it broad. Mm-hmm. Appeal to lots of people. Don't narrow your market. Don't exclude people. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't make your niche too small. And you know what? I kind of think that's the opposite now. Mm-hmm. Because I agree. and is all and the other one that goes along with that is uh, it's all about the customer. It's all about their needs, their wants, their desires. Whilst that is a hundred percent true, it's also part only of the bigger picture and the bigger picture is that we you and I as entrepreneurs as self-employed people we are of service every single day because our hearts are bursting to share and to help and to support and to create space for others on their journey too but it it's uniquely our Uh, offering is uniquely our truth our heart resonance our magnetism right and that is where we're most of service have I got that right is that how you yes and I would say it's even a step further because I completely agree with you that your own unique alchemy and your own unique gifts coming into an awareness of those and understanding that that's how you can be of highest service then there's a step further, and that's when we bring these offerings into form. This is where so often we get confused because that's when we start to think about um, how would this best be received by the customer? And that often shows up in how we price and in how we formulate. You know, should it be a four week container? Should it be a two week container? Should it be weekly calls? Should it be hosted on here or on there? And that's where we start getting confused. And to me, what I've realized is asking yourself, what kind of a relationship do you have with your genius, with your creations, with your creation? So creation and the creations. If if you can just keep coming back to your transmissions and to your creations itself and you ask guidance from that space, how do you desire to come through me? And if you get confused, then you stop. This is a crucial lesson that I've learned is that if you get confused during any part of the process, the creative process, then you've come into the mind and you've come out of alignment 
out of heart coherence with your creation itself. And there's a huge difference to being very attuned to the needs of your community or creating from a space where you're trying to play upon those needs. And we see that very much in the old paradigm of marketing where you talk about pain points. List three pain points and list three solutions. There's a real difference between that and actually acknowledging the pain and the needs and the suffering of the person that you want to work with. You know, you can you can feel the difference. This is what this is the whole thing of branding, wordless branding, is you can tell when somebody is creating marketing copy because they're trying to reel you in, because that's what they were taught to do, or when somebody is speaking in full service to their creation and acknowledging and being attuned to what is needed in the world today. Beautiful. Um, um this is you're running a four-week um, course on exactly this, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I and am, it's called yeah. Clarity, which yeah. makes so much sense after what you've just said. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about that? I'm oh, really thank interested. You. Yeah. So it's a four-week capsule, a four-week container, and it's called Clarity. And the reason it's called Clarity is because it's a combination of coming into full awareness of our specific medicine, of our specific genius, of our specific gifts, becoming attuned to the exact transmissions that want to come through. So the truth that wants to come through you, a partnering between you as a sacred business, as a sacred entity, and your, the transmissions, the truth. Blending those together and then what I noticed, because I became attuned to the needs of the community, that a lot of people are very attuned to their gifts, but where they come unstuck is bringing those into form because they get confused when the fear takes over. So I wanted to create a container which blends like the spiritual side and the strategy side. So in where it's four live calls with some content around it. And in those calls, we're going to do aligned strategy sessions where I... I'm going to show people an exact kind of formula because I quite like creating formulas out of the nonlinear, a formula of how to bring these transmissions into form. Everybody is going to leave that container with a suite of offerings. And then we have a one-to-one -one at the end for implementation, because even if it's something small, I want every person in that container to leave at the end being ready to birth two or three offerings and to just get that momentum going, to actually bring them into form. That sounds incredibly powerful, Ellie. I cannot wait to see you uh, just offer that out and have yeah all the feedback I'm sure you're going to get from that. So beautiful. Thank you, Ellie. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if there was one thing that you would like to leave our listeners with, one little thought or contemplation that's hot on your heart at the moment, what would you like it to be? That's a great question. I would say the current truth that's flowering in my heart that's bringing me so much joy is through this whole epic journey of embodying your spirituality and coming into this incredible awareness of the cosmos around you and all the cool stuff we've been talking about today, playing with the, with the energetics of life, realizing that you're part of a much bigger picture, being aware of all your past lives and your future lives and the collective and your divinity, 
now coming for me, it's coming into awareness of my humanness and of these beautiful human traits like courage and how beautiful that human experience is and how the crystallization of all of my spiritual work has brought me into this relaxed embodiment of my humanness where I now see how much simple grace there is in things like courage, taking initiative, having the the courage to be vulnerable and all of these beautiful human day-to-day things that we do in life. It's like this crystallization into simplicity. So that's what I really want to honor is like our human experience and how beautiful and divine it really is. Amen to that, Ellie. Big time. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Ellie. I There's always a million other things that I want to talk to you about and share with you about not least your chickens and the corn (laughs) you are married to (laughs) thank you so much Um, before you go tell me Simon he's got his uh, chainsaw certificate now he's got his chainsaw certificate it's gone way further since the chainsaw chronicles he's he's got his level two safety now he's got it's very exciting. He's fully immersed in farming life. He literally has like one outfit that he wears every day that I laugh every day because he's like, I'm only putting this on because I'm going to the farm. Um, and um, he's got Has he turned dinner. into a full-on peasant? <laughs> literally. <laughs> this is what I love about him so much. Like when I see him at the farm it, playing in the digger, like up there operating them. He's even got a file, which I laughed so much yesterday when I went down to his desk. He has a file labeled farm machinery where he like carefully archives all of the literature that he's printed out about his diggers and his tractors and all these things. He's in absolute heaven. It is so adorable and I just love every second of it. He's (laughs) such a delight. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Are you guys still doing your... um... Swimming in the sea? Yes, we're still swimming. Um, the water is still 10 degrees. It's not warmed up nearly as, as much as it should have. So it's pretty intense. But yeah, I mean, it's inc- incredible. And I'm really proud of myself because before I was the kind of person that couldn't get into a swimming pool unless it was like 27. Oh, no, you've just spoken about me. That's how I feel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can do it. I know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Ellie? Thank you so much, so, so, so much for your time. You are one of my nearest and dearest friends, but you're also somebody who is really challenging and changing and beautifully offering such incredible different ways of experiencing life at the moment. And it's just, it's beautiful to watch. You are truly in your authenticity and it's stunning. So thank you so much, Ellie. Oh, thank you, Dawn. I adore you. I love talking to you. And um, we could have gone on for another five hours, but thank you so much. And I can't wait for our next chat. I love talking to Ellie. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did today. But one of the most important things I would like you to take away from this is that you're not supposed to agree with everything that everybody says in these podcasts, and nor should you. So please only take what resonates and leave the rest. But if 
for some beautiful reason some of it resonated with you and you would like to find out more from Ellie or myself then I will put both of our information in the show notes and in the meantime please share this with those you love who you think would find this useful and interesting to listen to and take care of yourself and I will see you next time